LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Oh, sorry, I started the programme thinking cheerful thoughts. Soon dispense with those, let me tell you, between now and uh, 6.30. Nice to be company. Welcome to Thursday morning in London town. Very quiet outside. Very, very quiet. In fact, actually, almost unbelievably quiet. Unbelievably quiet. I thought it was going to be really busy. I was going to come in and Leicester Square was going to be absolutely awash with people. No, just me and a, and a couple of chickens. And that's it out there, I'm afraid. It's all a bit disappointing. Uh, yesterday, did go and get the tyre done. Well, went to get the tyre done. They've got to order them in because it's a, it's a particularly big tyre. Two tyres. Because uh, one, one of them on the in, inner rim of one of the other ones at the back which is where they wear on my car, don't ask me how it works, um, is, uh, so £580 for two tyres. <laughs> it's ludicrous, isn't it, to take out a third loan over Christmas to just to cover the blooming thing. £580. They always say, and then he said to me, he said, oh, there'll be a £20 deposit to go and get the uh, the tyres. I thought, it seems a bit pointless really going to be spending 580 quid. It's very similar to that thing yesterday when we, we had a, an email in from a guy who was doing his wedding at a hotel spending 7,000 quid, and they had the cheek the night before when they had dinner in the restaurant to add on a service charge. He said, I'm spending seven grand tomorrow. Oh, dear, honestly. That was the, uh, we were talking about tipping, tipping in hotels yesterday. Well, actually, not just tipping in hotels, or tipping anywhere, really. Didn't seem to make any difference, I suppose, where you were tipping. And we couldn't work out why some people got tipped and other people didn't get tipped. And uh, then I went home. We had Il Devo yesterday. Very good. Very, very, I thought they were going to be a little bit po-faced. Not a bit of it. Not a bit of it. You're, like, you're battling with it. You're battling with it. They were, they were doing their funny lines, everything. So they've got a new album out on the 2nd of December. Uh, Joe Brand, she, it's her first pantomime at Wimbledon Theatre. And, and I said, I will... She, I, I, she said, what, what, what do you do in the, uh, in, in the dressing room? I said, well, you'll have loads and loads of cards from people saying good luck. She said, no, I won't. She said, I won't have any. I said, you will. Of course you will. I said, you absolutely will be having cards saying, good luck, you know, break a leg, that kind of stuff. She said, well, who's going to send them to me? I said, I'll send you one. She said, will you? She said, that'll be the only card I get. So I thought it'd be a nice surprise, if you remember, to send a card to Joe Brand at the Wimbledon Theatre, address you can find online, and just sort of say, good luck. for the Because th- she's never done panto. She's got no idea. They're in rehearsal at the moment in a church hall. Some of them she has to dance. Well, she said, I can't dance for toffee. And they've given her lines in song. She doesn't actually have to sing a whole song. But she thinks that nobody's going to send her any good luck cards. So it'd be a nice surprise, wouldn't it? If you, you, if you sort of... I might even tweet it going, you know, why can't everybody send a card to Joe Brand at the Wimbledon Theatre? She could end up with sackfuls if this thing goes viral. Sackfuls of cards saying, good luck, Joe, good luck, Joe. It could all be down to this programme. I should quite like the idea of... So I've, I've definitely got to get that today. Got to get back uh, after we've done the two interviews. We've got Tony Robinson. Sorry, Sir Tony Robinson. Seems odd, doesn't it, really? He's not been on stage for... 17 years, not done stage work, so he's doing Wind in the Willows, I think, at the National. And then Colin Farrell, and then after we've done Colin, I shall scoot off home. And then uh, tomorrow, Friday, it's quite, it's quite nice, actually. I haven't seen, I've got a couple of my friends who've been away at the moment, and it kind of throws me out a little bit. I like to, I like to know where, where people are. And, and when you don't speak to them, because if, they, if they're on foreign climes, foreign soil, you don't really send texts and emails, do you? Because the simple reason being, you don't know how much it's, it's going to cost. I, f- I found this lovely mug. I'm taking it home. I found this sort of mug in the, in the building. I found it upstairs. And uh, it's, sort of, it's a mug. It's from Extreme Music. But the handle is a gun. So it's, it looks as though it's a gun 
cup. It's a kind of a James Bond thing. So I'm like, oh, it's going home. I'm taking that home today. That's a nice one. I've taken a couple of mugs home recently. I'm going to be done for theft shortly. I feel a bit guilty about the whole thing. But uh, no, this is one of my particular... It was lying on my desk, so I'm assuming somebody left it for me anyway. So I should be keeping that. <laughs> Producer going, oh, I wanted that. Well, you're not having it, are you? Because I've got it now. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. He hates me, really. Anyway, <laughs> stories in the paper. Do you know, I thought after yesterday, poor old um, Nigella Lawson and the and the allegations about, about the drugs, I thought, I mean, they're not going to run with it again, are they? Yeah, they're running with it again. But the, more, but the more interesting story for me is the fact that Melanie Sykes got sort of taken away by the police and she's accepted an official caution for an argument with her boyfriend. He must be... Husband, isn't it? Husband now. He must be terrified of it. He must... I mean, but I secretly think... You know, when you, whenever you see people who's like, yeah, like that, I think secretly underneath, there's probably a really horrid person. I mean, I remember when she used to push poor old Des O'Connor about, and there was that hard streak. There was that mean streak. That's what I used to, I used to think there's a mean streak in Melanie Sykes. And apparently, according to neighbours, they argue all the time. Now, between you and the gay people, I couldn't give a toss whether they argue all the time. It not make any difference to me. They were the ones who foolishly got married. I always think, you know, you've got to know somebody for a long while before you commit yourself to actually getting married. There's no point in sort of meeting somebody and go, oh, I think we get married. Because you don't know somebody. They might squeeze the toothpaste the wrong way. They might do anything like that. You know, but... Uh, pew, pew, pew. Sorry, firing off my, my cup today. You've seen this? Look at this. Is that good? I found that. Somebody left it on my desk upstairs, so I'm, I'm taking it. Thank you very much indeed. Would you like some stolen? Please. OK. Thank you. So go and drive the desk. Be good. Take your coat off. Make it look as though you're staying. All right. Give us the name of the person who cut your hair like that. I tell you, they'll be out of business by the end of the day. Can't believe it. <laughs> Honestly. Some hairdresser. Well, years ago, I used to take in a picture, you know, and say, can you make me look like that? But I, I, I didn't find many hairdressers in the early days who wanted me to go out looking like Farrah Fawcett. I used to have long blonde hair. Well, blonde, I say blonde, it was highlighted. Yeah, highlights used to be really in for men. I looked like Rick Parfit out of status quo at one point. Only briefly. Only very, very briefly. So, uh, so anyway, what are we going to do on the show today? We're going to trawl through... The, there's so many stories in the papers today. There are so many stories. It's not just Melanie brutal attack Sykes. I mean, it's just it's laughable, isn't it? He must have been so frightened, her husband, that he actually called the police. He was actually so frightened that he called the police. He must have wondered what in God's name she will do. And, you know, and you, you don't know, do you? Sometimes you think you know somebody and then they do something completely out of kilter and you go, gosh, I thought I really knew you. And, and I obviously don't know you at all. So I was sort of wandering through the papers earlier on. Oh, dear. Very heavy this morning. And I thought, oh, it'll be, it'll be good. I was listening to somebody talking about, what was he talking about? Job seekers allowance. And, uh, and trying to get work experience. He said, he said, and I got work experience, he said, in Poundland. And uh, he said, can you imagine? He said, I wasn't even worth a pound. He said, I was working for free in Poundland. And it, it kind of brings it sort of full kilter, doesn't it? £580 for two tyres. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, did The One Show do a tribute to That's Life? I don't know. I mean, I, I did watch a little bit of The One Show the other day. I find the two presenters so patronising. I really do. I mean, I've, I find it quite impossible to watch at times. It's almost so ghastly. Uh, she's she's sort of smiley smiley Carol Smiley, but she's not Carol Smiley. She's some Welsh bird called what's her name? I can't remember what her name is. Sorry, Alex Jones. You're talking with your mouthful. I'm gonna come round and shoot you with my mug. It's not your mug. It's my mug. I found it. Cool dear. Listen, does it have it? Wait a minute. I'll check. Has it got your name on it? No. Has it got my name on it? Wait a minute. We'll have it in a minute. <laughs> 
to write. This, this belongs to Steve Allen, I shall write on it. Uh, Warren said they actually uh, did this tribute. Esther, <laughs> Esther's teeth have been shaved in. He said, and where was Bill Buckley? I don't know. I mean, I didn't see the programme. Was it actually a, a, proper, a proper tribute thing to Esther Ranson? I used to enjoy That's Life. Yes, I also agree with you on that one, Warren. But I, I mean, I, I did used to enjoy it because it was odd-shaped vegetables. It was animism. It was consumer. It was, it was sort of everything. Apparently, she ruled it with a rod of iron, an absolute rod of iron. But that's what Victoria Wood started on there. They had Cyril Fletcher with his odd odes. And uh, Gavin was on the panel. I can't remember exactly how it went. I know there were lots of lots of nice people and everybody looked very pristine. It was just, it was a nice programme. Ran for years. I don't know why they axed it. I don't know why they actually took your programmes axing. There's another one in the paper today that they've, they've decided not to do it. I think it's play your cards right. They were thinking of Vernon Kay. I don't know why. You can't, can't present game shows for toffee. Absolutely terrible. Um, as I say, it's poor old Nigella all over the papers again. And then uh, rock and roll royal star, Louis Walsh says, after Prince William sung with Taylor Swift and John Bon Jovi, he has the, uh, he has the X Factor. Oh, shut up, Louis. Don't be so silly. Of course he doesn't. Just another embarrassing royal who can't sing. You know, we've seen it before. It's, I mean, I just thought, really, embarrassing. You know, it's very nice for Taylor Swift to sort of do it. Very nice for John Bon Jovi, who's given some award for services to God knows what. And uh, so William turned up there. But, I mean, don't be an embarrassing royal. Please don't be an embarrassing royal. Uh, one here. says, I have to wake up at 3.30 daily to listen to Steve on 97.3. Well, that's good. That's the way the figures indicate it. They do indicate that uh, a lot of people do turn on, as they say. Turn in, turn on, drop out, drop whatever it was. I can't remember what they used to do, the hippies. I say, sometimes I feel like I'm working in a, some hippie commune around here. They're all, all a bit bizarre. No, you are. I know. Yeah. Still got the mug. Pew, pew. <laughs> My mug. Yeah, OK, you've got the Stolen. Hope you choke on it. <laughs> and uh, yes, there was. It was great. Bring it back, says Sharon. Yes, I mean, I think it's a show you could revive. I, d- I wouldn't have any problem with, with bringing back that. I think I think it could be uh, could be quite good. I think. Uh, do you find Joe Swash really annoying on I'm a Celebrity, says Chris? Um, take or leave. I'm not particularly bothered, actually. I mean, the, the voice is a bit funny, the hair's a bit funny, and the fact he's been bankrupt twice, isn't it? Is it once or twice? I can't remember. Uh, I, I find mildly annoying, but not, not as annoying as, as, things, as things could be. I think I've, I find other things far more annoying, like, you know, let's kick Rebecca Adlington out of the, out of the jungle. Because as Pip Schofield said yesterday, he's hardly ever working, um, he, he sort of said, you know, what, what's she doing in there? The whole idea of going in. I don't care whether she's claustrophobic, anorexic. I don't care about anything at all. They shouldn't have put her in there then. The whole idea of going into the jungle is to, is to stretch yourself, to do something that you wouldn't do in your normal day-to-day job. And so far, she's done absolutely diddly squat, apart from cry. I mean, who the Dickens wants to watch some naff bird crying on the television when the whole idea is we want us, you know, eating witchetty grubs, which I think they've knocked out anyway now, but doing some of these famous bush tucker trials. Oh, she's claustrophobic. We'll find something to do that she's not claustrophobic about. But otherwise, it's just a boring, unattractive old bag who used to swim sitting there copping 60 grand. Well, why don't you take a homeless person and do it properly? They'd be far more entertaining, I'm afraid, than dreary old Rebecca Adlington. Her little boyfriend, who's 21, going on seven, said, leave her alone, stop picking on her. And, and I thought to myself, well, what's she in there for? Supposed to be an Olympian. She's demonstrated no traits of being an Olympian at all. Look at me. 
being controversial at this time of the morning. Not. It's uh, 16 minutes past four. Morning, 4.20 is the time. Coming up with Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning. Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls. It's another gripping edition of Call Clegg. Plus why London Ambulance is saying they won't be answering every 999 call this winter. And should taxi drivers be helping to solve crime? Now, I haven't heard this one. But I'm assuming they're asking taxi drivers. I don't know if you ever remember the film Carry On Cabby. Well, in, in Carry On Cabby, uh, there was a, a robbery and they took one of the cabs and all the cabs came together. And they were all on their radio saying, right, uh, I think because it was uh, Hattie Jakes who was driving one of them. And, uh, and it was very good. So perhaps you could use cabs to, to solve crime now, couldn't you? Seems, you know, perhaps if you see cyclists jumping red lights, you could report them. Although how you identify them, I've got no idea. I don't think that's, that's going to work at all, is it, really? But uh, have they got enough time to start reporting crime? Robert Fox, defence editor of The Standard, will be looking at the papers for today. Tony says, I now live in New Zealand. Used to listen to you in the 1980s. And uh, now I can listen over the internet in the late afternoon. See? Even better. Even better. We like that a lot. So thank you very much indeed. I've got people listening uh, all, over the, uh, all over the world for this programme. I'll give you the weather later on. I'm not particularly bothered about bringing it to you just now because I think it's fairly mild out there. I think it's fairly mild. Uh, Andrew says, love the show, mate. Oh, God, there's nothing worse as the familiarity breeds contempt, especially at this time of the morning. And uh, 84850. There's uh, another one here. Rosalind. She obviously loves my mug. Loves my mug, which is fantastic. Not all there in the brain department. Uh, John Burko is in a lot of the papers today. He says that a lot of MPs who fiddled were bored. They they, they fiddled their expenses because they were bored. This is the man who's in a grace and favour apartment with a wife who doesn't even bear. I mean, she wouldn't want to put her on the television ever again. Your career, your five minutes is over, popsicles. Disappear completely. And what did he put in? Hundred thousand quid. Over three years, cars, chauffeuring here, there and everywhere. Talking about how to play the system. <laughs> 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Where's this one? This is from, uh, from somebody who... Um... Oh, Conor O'Malley. Hello to you. Hello to you. He's a, he's a bit of a fan of Rebecca Adlington. You're about the only one, actually. There's no fans anywhere in any of the papers. Terribly sorry. And also, uh, she hasn't achieved world fame. She's just done a little bit of swimming faster than anybody else, love. That's all she's done. And she's picked up two gold medals. And she's now a bore. An absolute bore, I'm afraid. You know, an absolute bore. I mean, she's sitting in the jungle crying because of her looks. She must have lived with them for about God knows how many years. She's got a boyfriend who's a bit, a bit of a drip, I'm afraid. In fact, quite a bit of a drip. Leave her alone. She's achieved it. She hasn't achieved anything. She's achieved zilch. In the jungle, she's sitting there like a fat lump, unfortunately, and not really achieving anything at all. So, uh, there you go. But that's what everybody else is saying. Everybody else is saying it. Carter O'Malley. Ha! Hello. It's, I love the Irish. I love the Irish. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you can't believe what some people say. And other times, you really can. Actually, in, in the jungle yesterday, well, apart from the fact that she cried yet again, uh, they actually gave three of them uh, a little reward. Layla Morse... And Kian Egan, whose legs are covered in tattoos. It's the first time I've ever seen them. I thought, oh, dear. That's the one who didn't sing, isn't it? I think, well, yeah, I think he la-la'd at the back. I don't think they ever gave him solo. And Steve Davis and his wife. Because people, uh, people have warmed to Steve Davis. Asthma, they said, could be for Rebecca Adlington. But her, her people, her PR people, are not saying anything until she comes out. So they've obviously got some earth-shattering story to flog to prolong the agony of how boring this poor woman is. 
really dreadful. Really, really dreadful. Uh, another one here. Do you remember Esther Ranson getting arrested on That's Life? Yes, I do. And why was she arrested? Because she was filming on the street. She was filming on the street. And so they actually did arrest her. Some well-meaning, completely off as trolley police officer, decided to arrest her because she was filming and, and she had a crowd because it was Esther Ranson. So they arrested her and took her away in a van. And so luckily they, the, the programme milked it, milked it for everything that they could actually get. And it was, uh, I it was really good, actually. It was quite good. I mean, other policemen came over as, as not particularly uh, well, I'm afraid. Uh, on every task set, and I'm a celebrity, I like the fact that Joey Essex, says Tom, pipes up and says, I'll do the counting, I'm good at that. Like being able to count is a huge achievement. It is when you're 12. Because that's, I've explained before, he is a child in a man's body. That's why to him, all of this is exciting. I could do that, I can count. Apparently... According to his dreary sister, Joey Essex's dreary sister the other day, she was saying um, he didn't have enough time with all the, the things that were going on in his life to learn to tell the time. And you think, he's been to school, hasn't he? He has been to school. Or did he skip classes? Because you can't believe somebody is that thick. But there again, Jade Goody was, was that thick. With all the money Rebecca will get, perhaps she could have a nose job. Well, I, d- I mean, they've always got something lined up. But the whole idea of, of I'm a celebrity, get me out of here is that they're supposed to be celebrities. To be honest with you, I didn't know anything about her. She won two gold medals, I think, in the Olympics. And that's, and that's all she's famous for. All she's done in there is just be the biggest bore under the sun. The crying, the not getting involved with anything. She doesn't seem to have conversations with people. She's really dreary. And the whole idea is that you go in there to show people. It's like a showcase. It's like a showreel. You can make a showreel. She hasn't done anything. She's done nothing, and she's excused all the trials. So now, if, if Philip Schofield is discussing what she's doing in there, then that, to me, takes it to the highest level, that everybody else is saying exactly what I've been saying, which is what a waste of money she is. Complete waste of money. If she's showcasing a talent, I've yet to see it. Love to see it, but unfortunately, I fear not, ladies and gentlemen. I fear that we shall be seeing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Uh, Joey Essex's father says his son lives on Planet Joey. Exactly, because he's a child. He's a child. He, you know, I should imagine if you put a secret camera in his house, you just watch him sitting there talking to himself, you know, and counting his trainers and things. That's what he's into, because he's a child. There's nothing, nothing clever about it at all. But we seem to applaud dimness, don't we, in this country? I don't know why. We seem, oh, isn't, isn't Jade Goody funny now? I thought it was deeply, deeply embarrassing, I'm afraid. Deeply embarrassing. Uh, I see the, the Maddie police. Was it only a short while ago? Am I imagining this? That they were going over there, they, were, they had so many leads that they were following up. They were, you know, they were certain of an arrest. or Absolutely nothing. Load of old hooky again. It's just, let's string it out. Now the Maddie police in the Algarve, uh, we, we've been told, are no help in the hunt whatsoever. But that's incompetent police forces, isn't it? I should imagine they're just hoping the whole thing goes away. They probably can't believe it's gone on for this long. OK, the kid's gone missing. End of story. Whereas the British police are going, look, you know, can we, can we do some help here? We've got some leads. They went on television. And all of a sudden, magically, there was another 26 people that were going to be questioned. Well, that was it's been all forgotten now. It's just every so often they sort of have a little, little resurge and then they, then they sort of backtrack on it and then we're, we're nowhere nearer. I'm going to tell you what the weather is. I've decided, actually. I'm in that kind of mood this morning. <laughs> uh, quiet, cloudy day. A quiet... I like the idea of a quiet day. Thursday could be quiet, won't be, when cold Clegg's on. The odd glimpse of the sun. Wind will be light in all parts of a dry day. Temperatures reaching double figures during the afternoon. Whoopee! Doesn't say what it is at the moment. I don't know. Seven centigrade out there? Eight centigrade? I've no idea, but I'm sure it'll be, uh, it'll be lovely. 
I see that uh, former Time Lord Colin Baker has blasted the BBC. They've excluded his doctor from the 50th anniversary show. Don't know why. I don't know why. He says, don't the BBC chiefs know who I am? He played from 84 to 86. He says, I feel like a second-class citizen. The fourth Doctor Who, Tom Baker, had been given a cameo role as a gallery curator. Matt Smith, David Tennant and John Hurt were the stars of the day at The Doctor, which pulled in more than 10 million viewers on Saturday. But Tom, 79, and Peter Capaldi, who replaces Matt later this year, also briefly featured. Colin said, all or none, that's what I would have thought. I know Tom did it longer than anybody else, and he's the oldest Doctor. But by asking him and not us, it makes you feel like a second-class citizen. Yes, I agree, actually. I agree, it does. And, and the biggest fans would have wanted to see all the Doctors together. Exactly. Of course we would, yeah. I mean, I'm not a particular fan of Doctor Who, but I mean, I agree that w- with him, the programme... Uh, sees Colin and the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, tried to get involved with the 50th anniversary show. So that's on the BBC website. He said, Peter came up with the idea for the film. I'm so proud of the reboot. I hope fans love seeing it. I'm sure they do. I mean, I, I, I never really got in to Doctor Who at all. I, I knew all the assistants and I saw the very first Doctor Who, which was William Hartnell, and I enjoyed that. But then I, I lost track of the amount of people coming out of the BBC wardrobe department dressed in, dressed in what looked like sackcloth and ashes. The Daleks were about the only frightening thing I ever saw. The Cybermen, to a certain extent, there was some silly swampy creature that came in and then a few other... Th- I mean, it was all put together quite cheaply, I thought. It was on a, on a shoestring. But people obviously enjoy it, don't they? Good heavens above, who's that? It's a, it's a, a naked tightrope walker in America. He's Australian. His name is Mitch Kameta. And uh, he, he did a tightrope walk, start naked. I've no idea why. Can't see any logical reason why he would do this. But the papers have decided to pixelate his bits. As unless, of course, that's what Australians look like when they've got no clothes on. Perhaps they're all pixelated all over. More stories from the papers coming up very shortly. Uh, including which programme are they not going to remake? Come hella high water, they've decided they're not going to remake it. 84850, uk. It's 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Somebody's pointed out that poor old Jade Goody was too busy getting drugs for her mother to worry about going to school. Um, I don't think she ever got drugs for her mother. I know that her mother dealt drugs in front of her. We know that because they, they've talked about that at length. But as I say, Jade Goody's not here to answer for herself. So uh, we have to leave it there. But it's, it's, this, it's this British tradition, isn't it? The more stupid somebody is, the more we seem to applaud them. Eddie the Eagle Edwards, a total failure at everything, apart from being able to swim, which I believe he did quite well at. You've got that programme coming back next year. God, there's a naff selection on it. <gasps> so embarrassing. Actually, bad news for Neil and any other Gunners fans. That's Arsenal, I believe. Uh, football legend Pat Rice, who dedicated 44 years to Arsenal, is in hospital with cancer. He served the Gunners as a player, youth coach and assisted an assistant manager before he retired in May last year. So uh, a source close to him said he's been in and out of hospital and has been receiving treatment. And Arsenal have issued a statement saying our thoughts are with Pat and his family. Every Arsenal sends him the very best wishes. So there you go. It's, a, it's, a, it's so I, I don't really get cancer at all. I still haven't quite fathomed out where it comes from. Is it in all of us? Have we all got cancer? And is it just sort of there and it stays dormant for years and all of a sudden it decides to activate itself? Because in which case, why can't they sort of look at babies and go, wait a minute, what's that? What's that? You know, because you you sort of look at, 
You look at somebody, you think, do you have, because young, young children get cancer. You see young children going through chemotherapy and you think, why was this not spotted when they were a baby? Surely they could see it and do something about it. Or can you not do anything about it because they are a baby? Because I don't think you get cancer from anywhere else, do you? You don't sort of walk out and inhale it. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't, you can't catch it from somebody else. You can't have, visit somebody in hospital who's got cancer and the next thing you've got cancer. And also, is it, is it always as bad when you get secondary cancer? You know, when they say to somebody, and that must be the most heartbreaking thing ever, you know, when they say there is no sort of, you know, it's terminal, there's nothing we, we can do about it, we can just make you as comfortable as possible. I mean, some people are very good at, at dealing with things like that. I'd be absolute rubbish. I'd be, well, actually, I tell a lie, I probably wouldn't be. I probably wouldn't be. I'd have to keep doing, doing the programme till, till you could no longer do the programme anymore. Bill Buckley was on the 40th That's Life tribute, but they ran out of time after interviewing Adrian Mills and Gavin Campbell. Esther took over the show on Monday. She even said licence fee payers were paying for the drinks. Well, of course. We're, oh, sorry, weren't paying for the drinks. But how old's Esther now? Isn't she 70-something and she wears wigs? We know that. Adrian Mills, of course, I mean, I've seen, because he's been into LBC over the last few years. Gavin Campbell. I can't remember where Gavin Campbell ended up. Gavin Campbell, where did he go to? There were so many people. It was, it was an interchangeable team, wasn't it? Adrian Mills was always the one. He, was, he always looked like he had too many teeth in his mouth. He was one who stumbled over his words, bless his heart. But uh, he's uh, now married to a, a Thai lady. They've got chain of restaurants. I think Fat Boy's Diner is theirs. I'm pretty certain. Pretty certain. Uh, also, the papers say, oh, I have to do Penman. And I have to do uh, the other story. Which, to be honest with you, I don't know where else they go now. This is the, uh, the elderly guest house owners who had to pay £3,500 damages after turning away a gay couple. Yesterday lost their Supreme Court appeal. They've now had three appeals, and each one they have lost because they're bigots. That's what they are. They can't help it. You know, if, if you run a guest house, then you have to open to all. You can't go, you know, imagine if they put up no blacks, no, no Asians, no sort of West Indian. You know, I mean, that would be as bad... But instead, they, uh, they didn't want two gay people, Martin Hall and Stephen Preddy, uh, to share a double room. There must be a couple of old perverts, to be honest with you. Why would you assume that two people who share a room are doing anything together? You know, it is possible, I'm assuming, for married couples to share a room with any old hanky-panky without any of that going on. So why they'd be assuming this? Anyway, with their, with their blinding stoicness of a sort of going forward completely blinkered they've lost another one so now they i mean they actually say that the importance of marriage as the union is one man and one woman well don't run a guest house then don't run a guest house you know go and sit there and read the bible all day nobody has a problem with that that's what you want to do great do it but don't run a guest house and start judging other people because otherwise they'll start judging you you pair of wizened old hypocrites that's why you've lost every single court case so far you're not going to win it you know, you kind of give up now, but there are those people who sort of go down and think, oh, no, definitely, we wouldn't want... Well, don't run a guest house, then. If you're going to run a guest house, you know, then you're open to everybody. Well, what next? No sort of forces members, no amputees, no blind people. I should imagine your bigotry knows no ends. I certainly don't know where, where to begin with it, but you've now lost the third case. So, uh, kind of learn, as they say to a child, you know, learn. Learn by your mistakes. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, The Daily Express today. Oh, it's Nigella Lawson again. I'm so bored with this. I'm so bored with this story. Mind you, it's got even worse now because Trini Woodall has come out and talked about her cocaine addiction. Shut up! Nobody cares, you silly old woman. Nobody cares what you do. We're not going to applaud you. 
and go, oh, clever old you, aren't you? I'm not remotely interested. I just assume. Mind you, I did assume the other day. I thought it was rather, rather bizarre. And one of the things that was said in, uh, in court, it was that, that um, what's it, who, um, who she was married to, didn't know anything about alleged drug taking. I thought, well, you're in the media. Even I'm aware of, of drug taking. I'm not aware of who takes drugs, but I'm aware that it must be going on. I mean, by the law of averages, there must be some people, I should imagine, around, you know, Leicester Square who are taking drugs at this precise moment. I'm thinking that's what, you know, it's London. I'm, I'm assuming that that's what goes on. Melanie Sykes makes all the papers. But when I first heard it, I thought maybe it was a stunt. You know, when somebody does something to get themselves in the papers and then you, you read more into it and you suddenly think, oh dear, the police were called. He, uh, but then he, he, he tweeted and said, I've walked into a door, silly sausage. I'm thinking, well, we, we now know she's been held for assault and she's accepted a, an official caution. So she must have done it, which is a little bit frightening. And that's why Duncan dealt with it. There are lots of men who get bullied by women. It's not always the other way around. There are cases, quite, quite well-known cases, of women who bully men. You know, you might know people. You might know people. And so, you know, she gives over the image. Oh, more nice and sweetness and I'm this and that. And I'm thinking, I bet underneath, oh, perhaps he says something that winds her up. Perhaps he says something that winds her up. I don't know. You never know with these things, do you? It can be, it can be all sorts of things. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Enjoying the show, says Lee. I was hoping for some timely advice for the mother, Sharon. Today she's visiting us in Edinburgh, where I've recently eloped. She's coming from, wait for it, Blackpool. Dear God in heaven. She hasn't been on a train or a train station for 16 years. Any tips or words of wisdom? Yeah, don't go. Don't go. Stay where you are in Blackpool. It's a hellhole in Edinburgh. You don't want to go there at all, as you know. And, uh, and also drink. Drink a lot of alcohol. It's the only way you'd ever get through a train. You know, you've not been on a train in 16 years. God in heaven. <laughs> Trini Woodall said that uh, taking cocaine made her a liar and a thief. So? <laughs> also a very bad TV presenter, love, I would, I would dare to mention. <laughs> I can't believe it, actually. It is uh, hilarious. Uh, Amy Willerton in the jungle. I don't know. Has she got blow dryer in there and hair rollers or something? How does she manage to look that glamorous? Whereas poor old Rebecca Adlington just looks like the sad old almost ran. But uh, she looks uh, lovely. Anyway, she, she got messages from loved ones. And she knows exactly how, how to pose. Exactly how to pose. Whereas Rebecca Adlington in the shower just looks like... Rebecca Adlington in the shower, I'm afraid. There's, no, there's nothing glamorous about it. And I did worry about a story I read yesterday in the paper and you might worry about it as well it's a grave digger and uh, this is in Shepton Mallet in Somerset and um, somebody came past with a camera and they wanted to take a picture of him and so he put his hand up because he, was, he said he was shielding his face or something but he was smiling while he's digging a grave Okay, and this, this picture was then published and, and then somebody wrote into the paper some stupid quite clearly off their trolley person, saying how awful to have a grave digger, you know, with a smile on his face when a loved one is going to be going into that grave and people will be very sad. I thought, well, he's not standing there grinning while they're burying them, is he? They say here, you know, I mean, I don't know why people are miserable. I was always told when you go to a funeral, smile. Why would, you know, you can be sad about somebody dying. But to be honest with you, I didn't see anything wrong with a... So the, the undertakers have stopped using him. Stupid company. I wouldn't be wanting to go to them, thank you. What, you expect grave diggers to be as miserable as everybody else and stand there digging graves? So he smiled. He's digging a grave, for God's sake. Why shouldn't he smile? I don't quite understand it. And, um, 
There was also another bloke as well, Steve Allsop. He's, he's a lollipop man. He's been doing it for years. He was told to cut out high fives. Because the kids like doing high five. High five! I mean, I don't do it, personally. But, but the interesting thing about uh, grave digging and crossing attendance is that neither is glamorous or well-paid, but each fulfills an important and fundamental role within society. You need grave diggers to dig... Why shouldn't he smile? Don't you want to go around to this stupid person who's complained about him, going, what a... what a... what sort of person are you? He's smiling because he loves his job. He's making people happy. He's sending them on to the next life. He's a grave digger, for God's sake. I mean, as somebody says here, for his sin of being cheerful as he went about his work, perhaps his critics would prefer he got himself a hair shirt and a box of Kleenex and sobbed his way through the day. Because they're really stupid. You know what they are. You know what the, the people who write is. <laughs> they're sort of dribblers. The sort of people who complain about anything. I've just seen on the television a cat being run over. It's disgraceful. You know, and you think to yourself, he's a grave digger. He's doing his job with humour. He gets paid diddly squat for it. I'd love to find out who the, who the complainer is. I'd go around. I'd give him what for. Oh, God, would I ever. Would I ever. So that poor man has now lost his job because it was printed in the paper. And somebody... I'm trying to find the uh, the quote from somebody here. He's, uh, you know, it, it is a bit sad, really. He's shirtless as well. I, perhaps they're going to complain about that. Whether you come into the world naked, you might as well go out naked, I suppose. And uh, and it's shame, um, you know. So somebody says here, you know, funerals are a sad business for the bereaved, and cemeteries are sacred. But cracking a smile for the camera does not indicate a lack of respect. I mean, this person was really stupid. So because he was he was happy doing it, he, he got to work outside. He de- he generally doesn't come into contact with the grieving. He's a grave digger. What happens is they actually dig the grave, then they put the fake grass around the side of it. He's digging it six feet down. Because six feet, unless they're digging on top of another grave, in which case, you know, you've got to wait till you get there because it's got to be a certain depth down. And then the vicar does the dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Then you come along, you drop a bit of earth there on top. And then as you all move away, the grave diggers will then come in and start putting the earth back on top. And then they leave it and then it settles as the coffin erodes. It settles and they have to come back and put some more earth on the top. And then eventually, after six months, you probably get the gravestone on there. Why shouldn't he smile? I would like to think somebody was happy if they were digging a grave for, for me or something like that. Yeah, the producer said he'd do it straight away. <laughs> got, my, got my mug. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I feel a bit sorry that people people complain nowadays about just about anything. Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. Ooh, Rebecca Adlington, she's a really nice person. She might be, but she's a waste of space out of the jungle, I'm afraid. Nobody's... nobody's um, Nobody's sort of knocking her, her ability to sort of make a meal at home or something like that. But frankly, when it comes down to being a celebrity or a personality, she's sadly lacking, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, wasn't Carry On Cabbing filmed in Ealing? No. They filmed out... A lot of the carry-ons were filmed down in Windsor, where they used the council offices, which became a hospital, became all sorts of things. They used to film down there a lot. Down there a lot, I think. Uh, Bill Buckley was on the show in a bright shirt at the back. As for Nigella, most people feel sorry for her, I guess. Well, I don't know. I mean, she's probably sitting at home thinking how much more stuff is going to be in the paper. You know, how much, how much more, how many more allegations can be thrown at somebody before you go, listen, I've had enough of this. Look at the time, honestly. Racing through this morning, aren't we? Everybody, everybody still happy next door? Oh, God, it really is. Like pulling teeth round here, it really is sometimes. You say, you, sometimes you think, I'll say something funny, and then I'll look, I'll look to get a reaction from them. 
It's like the day of the living dead, I promise you. I'd have... Yes, we're waiting for me to say something funny, I know. I get more laughs in a cemetery. Quarter to five. This. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. So will. 13 minutes to five is the time. <laughs> 13 minutes to five. Uh, 84850, Do you love that story that was in the papers the other day? Sometimes you get a, a heartwarming story, and the heartwarming story is that four months after he was hit by a van, cyclist Ryan Smith has emerged from his coma. He actually said, hello, Mum, hello, Dad, after, after four months. You know, they didn't give up hope. Now, what the, what the slow process is... I don't know, to get him back to normal life. And uh, whether he will be affected, I don't know. I mean, there are people who've recovered to discover a whole new life. Some people, you know, they don't know anything of what happened before. And so he's been four months uh, in a coma. But now he's out. He's out of his coma, which I think is uh, fantastic. I mean, doctors have said there might be some brain damage. There might be some brain damage. But they don't know as yet. But, I mean, I think it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? Sometimes the good Lord looks on us in strange ways and uh, performs some miracles, and we all go, now, I like that a lot. Uh, do you remember Doc Cox from the show? Did you hear that? I just heard that as well in my ear. Uh, Doc, I do remember Doc Cox, yes, because he wore glasses, lived in... Ealing or Chiswick or somewhere like that. I can't remember exactly where it was. But yes, I do remember Doc Cox. Actually, I can't remember every single one of the of the That's Life presenters because they every so often they used to bring in some new ones, which is good. Uh, it's interesting that after Melanie Sykes was arrested and cautioned on Tuesday night for a common assault uh, against, they say it's her husband, Jack Cockings, and 9.45 at night, so it's a, it's a late one, they went to this residential address. 43-year-old woman arrested on suspicion of common assault, since been given a caution for common assault. The male victim did not require hospital treatment. And since then, neither of them have actually commented. What's the betting that they'll be selling a story of, you know... We, didn't we have this with somebody else? Who's the woman who's just gone back into EastEnders? Natalie Cassidy. Didn't we have the same with her? Didn't she have a, a fairly violent partner? And then she sort of ended up going back. Didn't... didn't uh, uh, Cheryl Gascoigne, go back to Paul Gascoigne after he'd been violent to her. All these people go back to people. I don't quite understand. There used to be the women's refuge down at Chiswick, Erin Aaron Pitsy's place, I think it was, for, for battered wives and battered women. People who are in relationships that they can't get out of, and they went there to get away from violent men in that particular case, but there might have been, you know, there might have been some of the others, some men who wanted to go, and they didn't really have a place to go to. Because people always think a man's a bit of a wuss if they say, well, you're bullied by somebody. Well, quite clearly, Melanie Sykes' husband was so frightened of her, he called the police immediately. I mean, I just see it as being a bit of a domestic. You know, how, how violent can somebody be? And the answer is probably quite violent. So if she's been given a caution for a common assault, that will go on her record. It's like worry, isn't it, I think? It's like worry. Uh, it's more of here. Um, Carry On Constable was filmed in Ealing. That's Nigel. Yes, we're, we're not talking about it. We're doing Carry On Cabby. Very nice, I'm sure, the other one. Uh, Jonathan said the gravedigger should do a calendar for charity. That'll silence his critics. It'll be dead good. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he should, do a, he should do a calendar. Why not gravediggers? You know, you don't want to see people say that you're miserable. Do you not think that funeral directors occasionally have a laugh... 
Do you not think they sit in the office and go, Chip, we had a funeral the other day. You must have said, actually, the, the, the critics of this, of this poor man who's lost his job, they should have watched all the programmes that we've had on the television. Didn't they go behind the scenes at the one in the East End, and they've got the horse-drawn things and the people who did Jade Goody's funeral? They invite people back every year, and they do letting off of balloons, and it's a whole family, it's a whole family thing. Well, they don't sit around with long faces all the time. You're in the kind of business where it'd be quite easy to get very depressed. I don't know how you'd ever want to go into it. I used to work in a department store years and years ago. And uh, like a lot of places, a lot of old established department stores, they had their own funeral department. So we had a funeral uh, chapel of rest and they did the embalming in there and everything else. And if, if on the odd occasion the, uh, there was only one bloke who could go out and collect somebody from, a, from an old people's home who died, they would, uh, if we were around, ask us if, if we could lift them out of the coffin uh, not prepare them, but just lifting them out of the polypropylene coffins and putting them in the, in the chapel of rest, which we did on just a couple of occasions. I did watch them doing embalming once. To be honest with you, I wouldn't want to do it. I really, really wouldn't want to do it. It's terrible. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. I love the idea of some bloke. He's, he went to his local council. Sounds like a start of a joke, doesn't it, really? There's this bloke, goes to his local council, and he says, uh, listen, we've got 80 potholes in our street... Um, would, would you like me to fill them in? And the council went, no. So they're stuck. He's actually offered £5,000 to fill in, you know, 80 potholes, and they've said no. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, local councillor Alan Kerr promised his colleagues would do their damnedest to find the money. And this place said, look, I've got the money, have it. Of course, they won't, they won't take it, they're not allowed to. So the state of the road, he said, is a national disgrace. I agree. Such incompetent councils, such incompetent... Uh, they, they want to resurface. This is Rothbury Avenue in Moncton, Jarrow, South Tyneside. And it won't come up for discussion again till next April. In the meanwhile, you know what it's like when you've got potholes all over the place? Small wonder I need two tyres on the car. Uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Kevin, the soon-to-be-miserable milkman, says, uh, read the gravedigger, Steve. It seems that some people think only the wise and educated with qualifications and degrees are allowed to enjoy their jobs. The rest of us, with a couple of O-levels, should look and sound suitably oppressed. Just off now to deliver my next customer and doff my cap a bit more. Tug of the old forelock. Yes, sir. Evening, Governor. Evening, Governor. Actually, every time I hear that, evening, Governor, I think of the kids in Mary Poppins, just as they were the, uh, as all the chimney sweeps had come down their, their chimney. <laughs> Do think it's good? Uh, it's not a grave, it's a hole until you put a body in it. Then it becomes a grave. Perhaps the grave digger was laughing because the body was a comedian. Any suggestions for a miserable grave digger? Steve the Milkman says, uh, I was in a cemetery once, a lady came over and said, do you dig graves? I said, yeah, they're all right. It's an old gag, it's a bit of a hippie kind of thing there, a bit of a hippie thing going on. When I was looking through the papers earlier on, I was trying to find something that was, uh, that was, that was sort of funny. And there haven't been many funny things in the papers except to looking at the Christmas cakes this year. And I love, if there's one thing I love, it's a novelty Christmas cake. You know, I've looked around the supermarkets, there's some really, some quite nice offerings out there of really funny things, really, really good funny things. <coughs> I know many of you probably will not be celebrating Christmas this year, either because you can't afford to celebrate or for religious reasons. You don't. When I used to do the programmes years ago on Christmas Day... I used to get all the kids phoning up and they, I'd say, so what do you get for Christmas? I get nothing, we're Jewish. And I get, well, you must be given some sort of present. Even now, Jewish children do get some sort of present at Christmas. But it was always that thing, no, do you get any presents? No, Jewish. Okay, fine. <laughs> so I gave up after a while. But I am here Christmas Day between 7 and 10. 
I am here Christmas Day between 7 and 10, so no doubt we will sort out all the problems with the turkey. We will be giving you guidance on how to manage to, to get through the day in one piece, and no doubt we shall be opening up the phone lines on Christmas Day so you can wish loved ones uh, the merriest of Christmases. Might as well try it, mightn't we? You know, might as well try and be a little bit, sort of, bit of bonhomie going on. It'll be nice. I'll have two new tyres on the car by that time, so that's quite good. Got to go and get Christmas crackers today. I think I'll do it tomorrow. Christmas, I like Christmas crackers, but I do look for the novelty inside. I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a bit of, bit of excitement in there. I'm looking for, you know, good presents. And I think, I think the best crackers would have to be... Was it last year that Harrods was doing a box of crackers for five grand? I think it was a £5,000 box of crackers. Or certainly 10000 or something like that. And in each one there was a piece of jewellery. And I thought that'd be quite nice, because we don't actually have crackers here in the building. We've, all, we've got little Christmas trees on our desks now, which is very festive. Very festive Christmas trees with little battery-operated lights. And we're just having a check, actually, to see how much Harrods Christmas crackers are, because if they're going to do luxury Christmas crackers, they are going to be the best, I would think, in the world. And you're looking... I think in these ones, you had a choice of gifts that you could put inside. And I suppose if you made your own crackers... and somebody, I think my mother might have made crackers one year... And then you could put inside what you could fit into the toilet roll. Because that's all it is, isn't it? It's a toilet roll and they, they put little, little bits and pieces in there. So I'm trying to find... We're just having a, having a quick look and see if we can find exactly how much... I do, I do like Harrods Christmas Bear. Have you seen them? I like those. He's got Harrods 2013 on his, on his foot, I think. And I quite like that. We can't find the Christmas cracker. You can't find them, can you? Why don't you type in on Google... Christmas crackers, £5,000, and see, see what it throws up there. That might be, you know, I don't, don't want to help you too much in this quest to find out how much expensive Christmas crackers are. But then you could, you could put in there, I think there was a selection of jewellery, and it was for sort of upmarket people. For us, it wouldn't be. But you could probably go to Poundland and buy some, some nice little trinkets. And Because I'm, I'm sick to death of getting the usual blooming things, which is a pair of nail clippers. You know, very useful, isn't it, Christmas Day? They generally break after about the third go. What else do we get? We get sort of like little mini whoopee cushions. <laughs> you know, that's apparently supposed to be funny. Kids think it's hilarious. There you go. Is that 5,000? set of Christmas crackers, 5,000 pounds. It was on there. Just on there. On there. Just go back. Go back. Oh, it's hopeless. I'm not the blind leading the blind. Wait a minute. There it is. There it is. There, look. Tower on the house. A set of Christmas crackers priced at 1,299 to 4,500. OK, there you go. Talk among yourselves. Anyway, uh, so everybody talking about the jungle in the papers. Uh, hopefully they're going to move away from Joey Essex. Just for, just for a little bit. Give us, give us somebody else. And I tell you, it didn't take long, did it? Didn't take long for the Ukrainian love bride, Anna Avremenko. She not speak English. But it didn't take her long to sell her story to the papers. I don't want to see this man anymore. So she's done it. She said, uh, he just dirty old man. So that's nice, isn't it? She works for a website which, which sort of, you know, has lots of pictures of girls with their bosoms hanging out. And um, they're looking for rich men, as indeed you would if you've seen Russian men. We're very Neanderthal. Very Neanderthal. And so uh, she sold the, uh, her, her bit of... She probably can't believe her luck. She gets picked by a, a dirty old man, which is what she wanted. Well, just she didn't want. She wanted a rich man. And uh, he's not exactly fitting into that category. And then the newspapers go, listen, he's, he's, he's quite famous over here. And would you like to sell your story? Please, sell story? Yes, straight away. And so she sold it. So all of a sudden, she's got her... She probably can't believe it. All her friends be saying, you're in the British papers. No. Yeah, she's in here now. It's amazing. She looks nothing like the uh, 
because they, they can't have her looking too much like the picture of her on the website, the Russian Bride website thing, because it makes her look a little bit, you know, a little bit as if you're, you're just buying somebody. And so what they've done is they've made her scrape her hair back and put a sensible jumper on and sit there with her legs clamped together, which is quite nice, actually. Totally different from the other pose which she has on the website, which is sort of legs akimbo and hair all sort of flowing out in all directions, obviously appealing to the dirty old men brigade out there. She said, I wanted to meet a gentleman, not a sex-starved criminal. Oh, there you go. You can't have everything, can you? Right, we'll take a short break for the news coming up at uh, five o'clock. I must say, £2,000 to go onto that site. £2,000 to find, you know, somebody who wants to meet a gentleman. <laughs> What's somebody going on it, then? Gentlemen aren't going to be going on there looking for sort of sex-starved Ukrainian women. Because she's not. Although, judging by the pictures... And, and she tells you everything about herself. She tells you how tall she is, how big her bust is, and uh, what she looked for in life. And she looked for, for gentlemen. Gentlemen callers, which is quite nice. But uh, he, he, actually, he actually has written a text back to her. And it, it sort of shows the basics, I'm afraid, which, which isn't so great. But anyway, she doesn't want him anymore. And uh, he's going back to prison. So all in all, it's a happy ending, as they say. Uh, we'll take a short break for the news at five o'clock. And uh, we'll have more of your texts and emails to the other side of that. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Daily Star saying on their front page what I've been saying for ages, which is that the I'm a celebrity, get me out of here is fixed. Now, you can't fix it in so much as you can say that person will win. But what they can do with their editing is to make one person be seen more than anybody else. And that's exactly the case with Joey Essex. You're seeing lots and lots of Joey Essex. That's why he's been getting all the coverage. You won't read anything about Lucy Pargeter, hardly anything on Steve Davis, hardly anything on Layla Morse. But it's been Matthew Wright, who works for Channel 5, and for Joey Essex. And then, of course, you've got the, the dreary old jump on any old bandwagon, the Fahir sisters, uh, who want revenge when he returns to Essex. Um, I've advised him because we are in contact. I've said to him, I said, Joe, listen, have nothing to do with them. They're just publicity-hungry, fame-seeking nobodies. Don't go anywhere near them. They'll drag you down to their level, and their level is, is below the gutter, I'm afraid. So stay well away from them. You know, move out of Essex, if necessary. Move into Mayfair. Move, move in next door to Melanie Sykes. I mean, you know, you won't get any sleep. But it'll be mildly entertaining, and you can perhaps turn it round into a positive. Be uh, sort of fairly cheerful about it. So... Only saying what I was saying before, because I think that when he comes out of the jungle, there's an ITV programme to do, which is the going to see monkeys, because apparently he likes monkeys. So what they'll do, they'll have Joey Essex, and he, he will be like a child. He will be like a child. He'll be going, look, monkeys, little monkey. I'll take one home, I'll take one home. They go, no, you can't, dear, OK? <laughs> Not all there, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, it was called Don't Drop the Coffin, the family of funeral directors in Edinburgh. Was that the one which was, there was, there was one which looked like a, uh, we've had numerous ones, actually. Um, there was that great programme, wasn't there? In Loving Memory, which was, uh, which was very funny, which was based in a, in a funeral directors. This is the story, incidentally, if you've just woken up and just joined us, of the poor gravedigger who was pictured smiling as he's digging a grave. And people complained. A couple of people said it's disgraceful. He's supposed to be there, you know. And you think, but he's not hanging around laughing during the ceremony, is he? Some people are so stupid, they can't see beyond the end of their nose, are they? Uh, just out of interest, how much are crackers at Liberties? I don't know, but you can get uh, some nice ones uh, from Asprey. 165 quid each. And I should imagine, I mean, you could have a cracker costing a million if you so, if you so wanted. 
Because all you'd have to do is just take take the cracker and insert in a diamond bracelet or diamond cufflinks or anything you want, really. You can really make it anything. I do like crackers. I think they look nice. So I'm looking forward to getting some. I think it'll be tomorrow. I think it'll be tomorrow. Uh, 84850. Poor gravedigger Steve. Not so the Argos lorry driver that tried to get through between my young son's funeral car last week with 200 mourners walking. The hearse had to almost mount the curb. I won't repeat what my eldest son said to him. Oh, I can well imagine. I can well imagine. Some people, I mean, it's, it's, you do see, don't you? I mean, I, I go past uh, Mortlake Crematorium on a daily basis. That's how we come in. It's, it's, it's the one where Thatcher was, was cremated. And the cars come down and then they slow right down to go in because that's, that's the way that they do it. And when they do the horse-drawn vehicles, they're sort of a little way up the road and they take the horse out so they don't literally go miles and miles and miles. But they're always very pretty to see, aren't they? I always think it's such a shame. It's your funeral, but you're, not, you're never going to appreciate how good it was or how many people turned up. That's, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. But th- there was one funeral director, and it was sort of the cheaper end of the market. I think, um, I think it was, I think it was a case of the girl was learning to be an embalmer. The embalmer turned up. And he was explaining to her how to do embalming. And he turned out, apparently, if you're an embalmer and you're freelance, God help you, uh, you move around from place to place with all your belongings in a little sort of bag. And he was demonstrating, it looked awful. I mean, it really did look absolutely dreadful. I remember thinking, if there's one job you wouldn't want to be, it would be that, actually. <laughs> 84850, UK. We weave everything in. Uh, which should be, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. It's amazing how many of you like your uh, your Christmas crackers. I'm very pleased about that. It was just me that did Christmas crackers. Uh, 84850. Uh, another one here. Uh, Paul says, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought, following all the problems that Les Dennis and several other celebs had when they went into meltdown on Big Brother and other shows... All the contestants, without exception, are given full medical and mental assessment before they're allowed on. This will surely be needed for insurance reasons, if nothing else. If you're employed for 40 hours, never turn up there, as we say here, up north, never do a hand's turn. If you could self-stand south, that means recline on your derriere. Would you expect to be paid? No. Why should she? (sighs) At least for all he's an irritant, loves his kids, does the shows. Oh, he was on yesterday. It's just him all the time, isn't it? Peter Dreary Andre. Oh. God, even if he does arrive late. Uh, and read the Gravedigger story. Being a good Catholic lad, I'm in, my, uh, I'm in my youth. I was an altar boy and served at many funerals. Funeral directors and gravediggers, when the funerals were being conducted, were polite and respectful before and after. Obviously, they're in their own time and the work, they do need to have a laugh. Look at the staff at Albin's, who did Jade's funeral, who featured in the TV serial. These critics should get a life. As I finished typing this, you just said the same thing. I know, I never understand why people complain. Ooh, you complain, complain, complain. And you'd think you need to get out a bit more, taste the coffee, smell the beans. In fact, generally speaking, the people who sort of write and complain about this poor, poor gravedigger, I bet you're fine, they're all by themselves. They haven't got any friends, because if you had friends, you wouldn't worry about things like that, would you? You'd be enjoying it. But uh, no, I, I reckon they don't have any. Uh, somebody wants to know why Peter Andrex never gets any paint on his arms or hands. No, he just puts it on his face. It's a bit like war paint, isn't it? It's to try and make out that he's butch, as opposed to the fact he's got about 20 people making sure his hair's perfect. What little is left? And uh, and the fact that he looks big and butch. But frankly, the programme is so dreary, I'll turn it right off, I'm afraid. I don't even bother with it now at all. Uh, We're all gathered in the kitchen in the Hollywood Hills. Good Lord. Who's this from? Stephen. 
who says, preparing the turkey and trimmings because it's uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow and enjoying hearing the latest gossip from Britain, courtesy of your lovely show. Anyway, given your love of good food, friends and family, we're hoping you'll start a campaign to have Thanksgiving adopted as a holiday in the UK. No religion. No, you don't have to bother buying presents. Instead, it's eating, drinking and making merry. It would be right up your street. And at this time of year, you'd be welcome to do a show by the pool. There you go. Actually, I did go to Paul Savory's a few years back, and he had uh, some Americans over, and we did that. Because if there's Americans in town, technically you're supposed to invite them over for Thanksgiving. Although I don't want any strangers knocking on my door, thank you very much indeed, in the early hours. But that's what you do. And we had we had uh, turkey and cranberry. We had something else. What did, what did we have that I didn't like? There was something that we had, and it came in a tin. And I can't remember what it was. Was it a vegetable? What the dickens was it? Whatever it was, it was... Blum- oh, pumpkin. Oh, oh, I could ever eat pumpkin. I went, no, oh, it was just disgusting. It was awful. But apparently they have, they have turkey and cranberry sauce and pumpkin pie. No, thank you. Tinned fruit and condensed milk, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, pumpkin pie. I knew there was something far. And, I was, and they gave me a tin to take home. They gave me a tin to take home. Oh, God, were they any more ridiculous? Bring a tin home. It's still there. It's still there. I've just had my wheels refurbished, Steve. And unfortunately, here is a pothole, says Michael. I wasn't uh, impressed. It ruined my morning. Yeah, I mean, it's... To be honest with you, when you spend a lot of money having your wheels refurbed, I've just had all my alloys refurbed. Somebody said to me the other day, a friend of mine, John, he said, uh, he said, he said, cars always cost money to run, don't they? Well, he had two tyres on his car. It was 160 quid. And years ago, you could go into a place and get remolds, which was sort of slightly substandard. You can't do that on my car. You really can't do it. So you've got to spend the money. I should imagine some tyres probably cost even more than mine. I wouldn't want to be buying those. 580 for two tyres, I think, is quite enough money. Thank you very much indeed. Um, there's a slight problem uh, after the uh, paedophile rocker Ian Watkins um, has appeared in court. A lot of people have got him confused with Ian H. Watkins from Steps. He's had to close down his Twitter account because he got a torrent... I mean, it shows how stupid some people are. It really shows how dumb some people are, doesn't it? They don't come any thicker than the people who think that Ian H. Watkins, who was in Steps, the very camp gay one, who came out and surprised everybody in the business because nobody knew, nobody had the faintest idea that uh, that he was gay. And so he's had to say, no, it's not me, this is another one in another group. But people are so stupid, really dumb. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's quit Twitter. A Facebook post said last night he's in no way related with news about the singer from Lost Prophets. Website E! exclamation mark online also apologised for using his image on the rape story. I mean, how stupid are they? How dumb do you have to be? Answer, pretty dumb, ladies and gentlemen, pretty dumb. Nothing to do with him at all, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Apparently, usually, Steve, Russian-Ukrainian women are attractive. This one isn't who sold her story to papers. Well, they, I think they've actually dumbed her down a little bit. They've actually made her look a little bit little bit more ordinary, as opposed to the vampy picture that is appearing in the paper today. Oh, there's a, we found a teenage tearaway. Her name is Caitlin Cooper. Caitlin Cooper's a 15-year-old thick biddy here, 15 years old. She made late neighbours' lives hell by repeatedly pelting them with chips, stink bombs and stones. She's a bit stupid, She's a bit stupid. Anyway, she's now been given a, an ASBO. They put her picture up on all lampposts and everything else. I mean, how embarrassing to be known as that stupid. I mean, if I was in her school, we would be pointing and laughing, I think. We would be pointing and laughing. And so she can't go out now 
without uh, her parents. She got to go out with her mummy and daddy. And uh, she's also uh, banned from walking in the neighbourhood without her parents. Uh, she's outlawed from throwing a string of items, including bread crates, and from entering a local college. At 15 years old, how to be thick at 15. That's what put her on one of those celebrity programmes, because by the, t- by the time the show's finished, believe you me, she will be a celebrity. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's always the ugly ones that, that cause the trouble. It's never the attractive ones, is it? It's always the ugly ones that do things like that. And you do worry about her. She's 15, probably going nowhere. And there's another one here, Joshua Rushton, who's 18, has been given an ASBO, which bans him even touching a car after police saw him trying vehicle doors near his home in Stockport, Greater Manchester. Aye, aye. Not good, is it? Somebody says Caitlin might look like butter wouldn't melt, but she's queen of the yobbos. No, she's not queen of anything at all. Queen of her own tiny, tiny little mind. The show that they've axed, incidentally, I'll tell you about Play Your Cards Right. Uh, And you won't believe the reason. You won't believe the reason. I'll tell you in a moment. Quarter past five. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at seven o'clock this morning. Deputy Prime Minister takes your calls. Another gripping edition of Call Clegg. Plus why a London ambulance saying they won't be answering... Every 999 call this winter. I feel sorry for some of the stupid things they get called out for. We've seen it on the television. You laugh, don't you, at people's banality and stupidity when they call it, my Chinese takeaway's not arrived, the cat's been locked out, you know, that sort of thing. They call 999 for very stupid people. And should taxi drivers be helping to solve crime? Sounds like a carry-on, doesn't it, really? All of that and more with Nick Ferrari. So it's called Clegg, your chance to talk to the Deputy Prime Minister at 9 o'clock this morning. More of your texts and emails in a moment. 21 minutes past five, in case you're clock-watching. If you're not clock-watching, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, plans to revive Play Your Cards Right have been canned amid claims it does not involve enough skill. It was going to be fronted by that dreadful talking tree, Vernon Kay, the man who can only reduce every game show to his low level. But that's Bolton for you, I'm afraid. Uh, Vernon previously told The Sun how he was excited to be bringing back the ITV quiz and had even got Bruce's blessing. A pilot episode was filmed, but the insiders revealed the idea's now been shelved. The trouble's with Vernon Kay's a bit of an irritant. And what you need on a show is you need a presenter who's in charge of the game, like Brucey. You know, I be charge, I be charge. Higher, lower, lower, higher. You know, do you want to change that one? Change it. Bruce knew how to do it. Vernon Kay couldn't whip an omelette into anything at all, so he certainly can't come. But anyway, so they, they've, it doesn't involve skill. Well, of course it does. You've got to make a decision, haven't you? Based on, it's a seven. All right, you've got a seven there. Do you want to change it? Well, you can if it's at the end of the row. Okay? Higher or lower than a seven. Okay, you've got a two. It's going to be higher, isn't it? Unless another two comes up. I think there's an element of skill to it. I just don't want to see Vernon Kay doing it again. I mean, the original show ran from 1980 to 87 and has been revived several times. Uh, ITV said it still might resurface at a later date. Just don't do it with Vernon Kay. Nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Find somebody else, please. Thank you very much indeed. That would be quite nice. Um, There's another story here about uh, the town's Christmas light switch on has been banned over health and safety fears. Emmerdale stars Chris Chittle and Leslie Dunlop were due to perform the ceremony in Boston, Lincolnshire. I know Boston because it's got a church, isn't it, called the Boston Stump. And you could go up it. I've got silly footage of me up the Boston Stump. Organisers, anyway, missed a deadline to meet necessary public safety requirements. So the local council ordered the lights go on via a timer. A craft fair and Sunday Christmas market have also been scrapped. Mum Julie Fern, 47, says they've ripped 
the festive heart out of Boston. I have three little girls who are gutted. Well, time to get over it, for goodness sake. Doesn't make any difference, does it? It just seems a bit bar humbug at a council. Another case of incompetence, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> one here. Tin pumpkin is nicer when eaten sweet, for example, in pies, tarts or cookies. No, it, it's, it's disgusting. It was so disgusting. I thought it was absolutely awful, I'm afraid. You could have a trial run to see how good your funeral would be. Yes, you could. Didn't they do that in Golden Girls? Didn't she, uh, the old lady in it, decided to send out a thing saying, look, I've died, to see who actually turned up. And then, of course, when she walked in, half of them fainted because they weren't expecting her to um, to be there. <laughs> Has James Arthur been dropped from the X Factor? I don't know. I've got no idea. I know that he's, he's having to backtrack, you know, literally all over the place, I'm afraid, for some of his homophobic comments. I know Dawn doesn't think they were. But it doesn't matter. The trouble is, you know, once you get... Listen, you've seen how stupid people are. If people are contacting Ian H. Watkins, thinking he's the bloke from The Lost Prophets, they're even more stupid than I thought. Not half as daft as those people down in Portsmouth. They, what did they do? Attacked a paediatrician's house because they thought it was paedophile. I mean, there's some dim people. We know there's dim people. We've all seen the Jeremy Kyle show. But unfortunately, some of them just just go beyond dim. I don't know what what is actually beyond dim. (laughs) I've really got no idea. And uh, 84850... Steve at LBC. Lee's still going to get his mother. Four days, you poor soul, honestly. Can't you ferry her out to something? Can't you sort of get her committed or something like that? That'd be quite handy, wouldn't it? She arrives on the train, an ambulance meets her, and that's the last you see of her until they pick her up and take her back to the train station. Then you don't have to... Actually, I'm not that bad about Edinburgh. I'm not that bad. I can, I can cope with Edinburgh. Doesn't, doesn't make too much difference. It was certainly a lot better than Glasgow was the first time I used to go there. Uh, the Paul O'Grady Show, fitness video for Lisa Riley. Lisa Riley? Yeah, she is. I liked Lisa Ryder. She came in to talk to us. She's she's doing this show. She's big girl, isn't she? She's fairly big girl. And she was with two other people on Paul's show. Yes, he likes these human interest stories. And it was one woman who'd been to, built an indoor skate park for all the local kids. And so she was there and all the kids were, you know, going up and down. You know, it, it looked quite nice, actually. It's a nice sort of thing to do. Uh, Brand Beckham versus Brangelina. They've pitted Posh and Bex against movie Super Couple. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, you don't get Brad Pitt modelling in his pants and Angelina Jolie knows how to smile. Uh, David Beckham just looks a bit nerdy and the wife, I don't know, never smiles, never smiles at all. So at the end of the day, they say, uh, who, who's the skinniest? Well, quite clearly it's, it's Brad Beckham is the skinniest. And they've all got pets, haven't they? And they've got gifts and they've got houses. And they've got a, they've got a picture of the uh, David and Victoria who bought this home. First of all, they had Sawbridgeworth and now they bought this £40 million home here. I don't believe it. I don't believe they bought that. I don't think she would want pictures of a house that they were thinking of buying to be in all the papers. I mean, there's going to be a hair salon for Posh. Well, can't she just send it in a jiffy bag and get them to do it and send it back to her? Make it so much easier, wouldn't it? And uh, they say, in all, their portfolio is worth about £45 million, which is uh, not quite good enough, I'm afraid, because uh, Brangelina, their portfolio, they've actually got 150 acres of Cambodian jungle. <coughs> the main home is in France, Miravel, in the south of France. 1,000 acres, including a zoo, a studio, olive groves and vineyards. £65 million for them, for their little portfolio. Actually, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I quite like the house that the Beckhams might or might not have bought. But the idea of a hair salon, is that supposed to impress people nowadays? Got a hair salon, and you look at her and you think, no, she's actually got terrible hair. Terrible hair, because it, most of it isn't hers. So think, a hair salon? Why would she do that? 
<laughs> and they don't spend much time here anyway, so they might have just bought the house and it'll just sit there empty, won't it? And a lot of people will, will sort of drive past you. That's where the Beckhams live. You're not going to be seeing them walking about anytime soon. It's only got a tiny, uh, tiny garden, I'm afraid. Only, you know, a little, little tiny garden at the back of it. So they can't even kick a football around. How sad is that? David Beckham, ex-footballer. You'd think he'd want to kick a football around. Uh, Sony have filed a patent for a smart wig. Have you heard about this one? I like the sound of this one. It's a computer built into a hairpiece. <laughs> Wogan. It's the old hairpiece. <laughs> I can I can play me old computer games on this one. They reckon that the high-tech toupee could give you directions, talk to other devices, take pictures and even monitor your health, all within a shake of the head. You have a lot of people now standing next to you. It's bad enough when they, uh, they start talking to themselves and you realise they've got a little earpiece in. And they're actually on their mobile phone and they have to share their conversation with you. We got some woman the other day trying to explain to her mother how to book something on a website. I felt like turning around and going, listen, I mean, do you have to do this now? Can't you do it some other time? Nobody's interested in your boring mother and your holiday and stuff like that. Oh, Mum, you can find it. If you go to this and go to the... Oh, please, do me a favour. Uh, lots of Prince William making himself look like the right nerd in the family, I'm afraid. Rocking it out with Bon Jovi. The trouble is he's so uncool. There's nothing cool about William, I'm afraid. Harry is the one. If Harry was rocking it out, Harry would be there, the ripped open shirt. You know, Prince William. Very good, very good. John Bon Jovi, marvellous man. You can just see it, can't you? <laughs> just see it. And then they, they have to ask. Um, they have to ask, because what, what they've done is, that at one point, Prince Charles wore a hat with dreadlocks attached to it when he went to Jamaica. Uh, Kate did hockey, which was cool. Uh, it's a knockout with Prince Edward. He was a fool in that one. That's the one that featured Fergie running up and down and Diana. And it was all just a bit embarrassing. We don't want to see the royal family behaving like that. We're supposed to look up to them. And they're supposed to be the height of decorum. We would have had Henry VIII behaving like singing with, you know, with the local, local singers or something. That wouldn't have happened at all. But Prince William leaping up on stage and singing along wearing a bow tie. I'm afraid I, I just found nothing more than cringeworthy. Thinking, you know, don't ever do this ever again. Don't ever do it ever again. Well, I've just noticed, actually, there's a picture of Tamara. This is the one who can't sing very well and can't remember anything. Apparently, she's admitted she and Sam Callahan are an item. Really? Don't believe a word of it. Do not believe a word of it. Anyway, Sam, your five minutes is up. Do not pass go. Do not collect £200. Well, apparently, they're now saying, uh, lined up to appear in next year's Strictly Come Ballroom Dance. I don't know what it is. Frankie Sanford. Oh, God, another. There's no imagination, is there, with these programmes? No imagination at all. At uh, the time now is uh, 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's LBC 97.3. Weather today. Mm, so, so, so. Somebody said brilliant Wogan impression. Some kind of, sometimes it's as if the real person is here, isn't it? No extra charge for the, uh, for the impressions. I love the story of Viv Holland. Viv Holland is in a lot of the papers today. She was confronted by a masked burglar in her house. What does she do for a living? She's a trained mediator. She's a trained mediator. So she asked him to sit down and they, they chatted. He kept his mask on. And she just chatted to him about it. She's a professional mediator. She said she sensed that uh, that he was as frightened as she was. And so they sat down and the police just came round and they took his mask off. And he's a 17-year-old lad. And he's been arrested. 
as she helps families and businesses resolve conflict and breach agreement. She admitted her behaviour during the break-in was bizarre, but said she acted instinctively. It wasn't a wasn't a conscious decision. It just felt like the right thing to do at the time. I'd like to sit. Listen, have sit, have a cup of tea. Listen, sit down. Let me just make a phone. Let me just make a phone call. Sit there. I'll make a cup. Of, you you put the kettle on, please. Get the police here. Get the police here as quick as possible. I've got a burger in my kitchen with a mask on. Thank you very much indeed. So well done to her. I wouldn't advise it to everybody. I was watching some bloke on the television this morning doing a wildlife programme, filming with these brown bears, which which are quite dangerous. When when sort of brown bears are in heat, that's uh, they're they're really blooming dangerous. And so it was very very interesting. Uh, Nigella Lawson in all the papers again today, exactly the same as it was. Meanwhile, uh, Sarchi's uh, latest friend Trini Woodall talks of her cocaine fight. Obviously all at it, aren't they, nowadays? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Some people's IQ, say, says Boris, is too low for them to compete. Greed is good. So some people's IQ is too low for them to compete. Yes, I mean, you do see that on the television. I see that a lot on the Jeremy Kyle show. I do see that a lot. And uh, men who say Viagra doesn't improve a relationship. Melanie Sykes, in all the papers, held for attack. She's 43... Uh, dresses a lot younger, of course. Her husband is 27. Apparently all the, all the neighbours have said they seem to argue most of the time. But then I assume most married couples argue, especially in the early stages of a relationship. Is that, is that not normal? Is that not normal? MPs fiddled expenses because they were bored, says old Burko. And uh, this is the common speaker, John Burko. Although in three years, he racked up £100,000. 16000 for chauffeur-driven official car journeys. £63,000 on flights including visits to almost 20 countries to lecture them on democracy. His biggest expense was £11,000 for a return business flight for himself and his two staff to Canada for the 2010 G8 Speakers Conference in Ottawa. Unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, these huge sums are on top of the £9,500 claimed by Mr Burko in the past three years is his role of MP for Buckingham. He visited India, America and South Africa at the invitation of their parliament, but the British taxpayers picked up his bill. And it's a picture of that ridiculous Sally Burko. That'll be the idiot who's got no idea what's going on in the world and uh, recently had to cough up some, some money. Here's the, the dinosaur. I didn't realise. You know, this is the uh, Diplodocus. Diplod- they pronounced it on the television yesterday. And I'm sure they did it differently from how I did it. I, I just thought it was... Di- is it Diplodocus? Diplodocus. No, I think it's Diplodocus. Anyway, whatever it is, the, the bloke who owns it is a guy called Raymond... Albus Defera, and he's got a quarry in Wyoming uh, because he is a paleontologist. And he, 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 on one day in 2009, this is how the story goes, he sent his, his two sons out to see what, what you could dig up. And they dug this thing up. And it's the, it's the only complete one that's ever been dug up. They reckon uh, because the, the body of it, well, what was left, the skeleton, was found by a dried-up waterhole, and he reckoned that the creature, which weighed quite a lot, uh, probably about, I think, 15 tonnes, it would have been very slow moving, it would have been caught uh, in this waterhole, in the mud probably there, attacked by other dinosaurs and eaten, and, and then it just it was stuck in the mud. It's worth about half a million pounds. It's 160 million years old. They started digging it up and they realised that they'd done quite well. And because it is actually all complete, whereas the one that we've got in the Natural History Museum, they, they've got in, right in the middle, that, that's not real. That's made up, of, it's a composite, made up of uh, two, but it's plaster. It's plaster. There's only one or two genuine bones on it. But this one is as, as complete as you're going to get. Where are you going to put it? I've got no idea. 
Because it's so big, but it's 160 million years old. It's, it's worth something to somebody. Interest was, uh, has been shown in the history market. In the, end, in the end, she was bought, they've called her Misty, she was bought anonymously for an unnamed private institution with a pledge to put her on public display. How lovely. I just don't think you see things like that, do you? It's Jurassic Park come to life. Quite amazing. Misty wouldn't have had the sharpest mind in Jurassic Park. Uh, Diplodocus had a very small head and a tiny brain. She was vegetarian. And contrary to popular belief, she's likely to have walked with her head down, keeping 20... Because she got a 20-foot neck, remember? 20-foot of her neck aloft would sap half her energy and require a massive heart to cope with circulation. There are only six complete skeletons on show around the world. And I'm assuming there must have been millions of the blooming things, you know, before they were all wiped out. So here it is, Diplodocus. She's 55 foot tall. They could grow to 90 feet. They weigh around 30 tonnes. So this one at 18 tonnes wasn't, wasn't the biggest. The, the, the tall is assumed to have been a counterbalance for the long neck, but it might also have been used to make a defensive whip-cracking noise. You've got the term, but you're just complete here. It's a blooming thing to dig up, isn't it? Go and dig out there, you'll find something. £500,000. I wish we bought it. I wish it would come to this country, but whoever has bought it, the institution have said that they will put it on display. And for that, we should be eternally grateful, I should imagine. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. I've heard that, well, probably, actually, uh, at a funeral in Edinburgh last year, the funeral director collapsed at the graveside. Heart attack? Dead. It does it. My favourite person falling in a grave was Patsy in, um, what, what was that programme they were in? Absolutely fabulous. Where she's, she's drunk at a funeral and she totters back. She, she falls into a grave. I thought that, that was the funniest. That was the funniest thing I ever saw. Um, uh, another one here. Cabby Keith says, oh, Boddington's. Lovely thought. Melanie Sykes. Thank you. <laughs> That's all she's famous for, isn't it? The, it's the Boddington's advert. She was the Boddington's girl. And uh, now she's just got a common assault charge, I'm afraid. Um, Tom says, is there any skill involved in playing deal or no deal, apart from having the saddest sob story? Oh, I don't, well, I mean, um, no, there's no skill. In fact, there is no skill in deal or no deal, because all you're doing is picking a box. Whereas the, the skill is trying to work out higher or lower if you're doing play your cards right. The reason we mention it is because play your cards right was going to be resurrected. And then they've decided there's no skill involved, so there's no point in doing it. Perhaps they should axe all the competitions that they have on the television. Some of them are dreadful. Uh, <laughs> Steve, have you seen the Boots Christmas advert? It shows a hoodie delivering presents. But you don't see him buying them. What are you saying? He's saying he's been out on the rob. Grief. I don't know. Uh, 84850. Uh, John says, don't be such a killjoy. Play your cards right could easily be resurrected with everybody's favourite and wonderful presenters. Step forward, Pip Schofield, Anton Deck, Peter, I am a singer, Andre, or even the very talented Fat Bird Fat. Yes, old, old Vanessa could do it. She could have a quick go at something like that, couldn't she? I don't know. I mean, why do they resurrect something? Brucey did it. And he came from a long line of people who were very, very good at doing quizzes. People like Bob Monkhouse, people like, you know, who, who Brucey, and, and they, they came before Tarbuck to a certain extent. All these people could do quizzes. Now, because they, they're cheap, you get Vernon Kay doing it, and he's got nothing. He just doesn't bring anything to the programme. Absolutely nothing to the programme at all. I like the idea of the hoodie delivering presents. I like the advert, though. 
I'd love to know which street that was filmed in. And uh, here we go. Alan says there was a programme on earlier this year. A lady diagnosed with terminal cancer says she had a living wake. Interesting to see the views of her friends that were there. Yes. <laughs> and Kevin the Milkman. He says, back in the 1970s, because he goes back that far, the London co-op site at Manor Park used to have the dairy on the same site as their undertaking department. I'm glad I didn't walk into the wrong fridge there, as I've been doing the job since I was 13. Sam has said she'll skip having a hearse for my funeral when the day comes, and they'll put my coffin on a suitably decorated milk float. And, you know, I'd like that. He says, your coffin will be covered in stickers bearing... a." Uh, an HPC logo, Heaven's Biggest Conversation. Steve Allen, broadcasting all over the afterlife of 97.3. Yes, of course, I mean, if, if you believe in something like that, and occasionally it'd be quite nice to dream, thinking, it's going to be pretty crowded up there, isn't it? Pretty crowded. I, don't, I want my own cloud. I don't want to start sharing clouds with people. But we will be doing the biggest conversation in the universe. And beyond. And beyond, ladies and gentlemen. Other stories in the paper today. 90% of you will buy your Christmas presents online. You'll buy them online because it's easier. Don't get them delivered to home, they get lost, get them delivered to work. I've only ever lost two things that I've ever ordered having sent to work. Just two items in 10, 15 years of having stuff sent. More than 15 years, I should imagine, of having stuff sent. So I use this as the, as the address. Loads of people do. Ask Courtney downstairs, if you're walking past the building. We get loads of posts for people. They have it delivered to work because they're not at home half the time. Vernon K. Steve has all the charm and charisma of a wheelie bin. I think that's an insult to wheelie bins, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> uh, I had a, a former, says Sean, a former X Factor winner in my locomotive cab recently whilst doing a picture shoot. I couldn't count the amount of flunkies around making sure they had their every whim attended to. It gave me an insight as to how show business really works. Yes, I realise. Christine says, uh, can you wish people happy Hanukkah? Very seldom happens the same time as Thanksgiving. What do you get for Hanukkah? Well, you get to light candles, don't you? Which is quite nice. I could light candles every day of the week. <laughs> uh, most people say, no, please, we don't want play your cards right back on the television, Steve. It was, it was fine when it was Brucey. Actually, one of the girls, one of the dollies, do your dealing, uh, works on one of those channels now selling rubbish items. Could be bid or something like that. Selling, selling poor things, and she sits there, poor soul. Not, not coming over very, very well, because when they had to... She worked on playing cards, right? All they had to do is turn cards over. No, or Bruce used to do that. They used to lay the cards out at the beginning of the game and just stand there. In the days when, I suppose, magicians used to have assistants who stood there going, ta-da, ta-da. That's what I do now to go, ta-da. It's quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time. It's nice to have your company. I see that. I was amazed, actually, uh, that the uh, divorce deal between Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore has only just been finalised. He's 35, she's 51. Uh, it's taken them two years. Two years. He's been quite gracious. He's worth about £86 million. Pounds. It's amazing, isn't he? I mean, I don't really know him from anything, but I suppose he's done... Didn't he do a prank programme? And I assume in America... So it's called what? Punked. That's right. I'm assuming over there you actually get um, you actually get well paid for doing some of these NAF programs. But I don't really know him from anything at all. I remember when they got married, and uh, she's now linked to an art collector, Vito Schnabel, as well as Lindsay Lohan's former boyfriend, restaurateur Harry Morton. Well, I've heard of him. I've heard of Harry Morton. I've just I've heard of the other people. Uh, your cat person, if you are, your cat does know your voice. It just chooses to ignore it. 
It's dogs. You know, you throw a stick for a dog. Throw the stick. The dog goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Picks up the stick. Comes around, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you throw it again. And the dog goes, picks it up and brings it back to you. And they throw it a third time. And the dog's thinking, this, this, we're not going anywhere here, are we? So out, pick up the stick, bring it back again. You throw it again. The dog goes, go pick it yourself. Whereas you do it for a cat, you can throw the ball, you can throw a, a treat, and the cat will just sit there staring at you going, oh, I think I'm going back to bed now. And you go, come on, come on, let's go out, let's go into the garden. I'm sleeping. I don't do anything. I do it on my own terms. If you're a cat, so cats do ignore voices, which, I, I mean, I have, I have evidence to suggest that this is absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth that cats... Mind you, a friend of mine's got a dog that ignores. Once it's on a scent... Once it's on a, you know, it's sniffing, doing whatever they do with other dogs and things like that, which, I mean, to be honest with you, you'd have them arrested normally. You went around doing that with humans. And so, so dogs do this thing, come on, come on, and just pointedly ignores. Pointedly ignores you. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, Kevin the Milkman says, crowded in heaven may be, Steve, but think of the listening figures. Yeah. Imagine. Just boosted your listening figures. Bradley Walsh. Says Cathy is about the only good game show host now. Game show host now. I tell you, he's not bad. I like Jasper Carrot in that Golden Balls program. I think that's quite clever. Now there's a game with skill. The skill is telling lies. We're encouraging people to tell lies in that. So I've got no killers on the back row, and I've got a thirty thousand, a one hundred thousand, and the sixteen thousand we carried over from the last round. Oh, I've just found two killers on the back row. You know, it's just, it's so clever because I sit there thinking, you know, you, you've got to jump in quick. I'd be useless at that game because I couldn't lie about it. I'd have to tell the truth. I've got a one pound ball, four killers and a 20 pence ball. And that's it. <laughs> oh, dear. Never gets any better, does it? I'm afraid. 84850 uk. Uh, there's a, a lot of talk in the papers today. And I think the police might start doing something very shortly. The number of motorists caught over the drink drive limit the day after a night on the tile. So, in other words, there are lots of parties. Coming up to Christmas, as you know, practically every hotel in London will be hosting parties most nights of the week. It's, it's the busiest time of year for hotels. There's corporate events going on, private parties. And so people go out there, they have a drink, they get a taxi home, or they get the bus or something else, but then tomorrow morning, this morning, they get in the car. Most people are caught at around six o'clock. That's the time you're sitting there. But sometimes we've all done it, haven't we? We've all been behind the wheel of the car and you're a bit tired. And sometimes you take your eye off the ball a little bit and then beep as you sort of veer slowly into the left-hand lane. Very dangerous. And so the police are going to be having a, a bit of a crackdown. It apparently takes an hour for the body to break down one unit. So if you've had 20 units, you look at 20 hours for it to break it down. There's not many people just go out and have one unit, is there? Most people go out and have a, have a lot to drink. And so when they're driving... But I remember saying this years ago. They said that most people were, were driving under the influence of either alcohol or drugs. There would be some point where you'd taken drugs. I don't know. You know I really don't want to be driving with somebody who's taken drugs. Thank you very much indeed. I find that quite a, quite a sort of a depressing thought. Uh, in all the papers today, it's the bed and breakfast owner's right to bar gay couple crushed by the need to fight discrimination. This is Peter and Hazel Mary Bull. And uh, a judge has said the rights of two Christian B&B owners to bar a, a gay couple from sharing a room were outweighed by the need to correct centuries of discrimination against gay people. The Supreme Court yesterday rejected the claims by Peter and Hazel Mary Bull 
that they acted within the law when they refused a room to Stephen Preddy and Martin Hall because they were not a heterosexual married couple. Now, that decision ends a five-year legal battle. It began when Mr Preddy and Mr Hall, backed by the government's Equality and Human Rights Commission, took the bulls to court under equality laws. Which is, so, so the government are backing them, everybody else is backing them. They're just a bigoted pair. And as I've said before, nobody's bothered about their views. You can have views like that, but don't run a bed and breakfast and, and discriminate against people. Because presumably your discrimination runs even further than that. You know, it must have driven them absolutely mad. And they probably thought, no, wait a minute, it's our bed and breakfast, it's our house. We can decide who we serve. No, you can't. Not if you're licensed. If you're licensed by the local council, discrimination is illegal in this country. I mean, it's, you know, lots of other people have actually lost... Lots of other people. There was one called Lillian Liddell, a registrar in Islington, who wanted to avoid presiding at civil partnership ceremonies. And Gary McFarlane, a relate councillor, sacked after he was questioned by his employers over his attitude to gay rights, following a statement he wouldn't give sex therapy to a gay couple. So this other couple have, have now lost. They've had to pay £3,600 compensation to Mr Hall and Mr Preddy. The Bulls have had to close their B&B, because the falling income no longer covered the mortgage on the business that they'd nurtured over 30 years. They'd also received death threats. You can, I mean, you can imagine that they would get that anyway. And they got lots of negative views. And it's, it's unfortunately what people of this country think of. They actually think that, you know, if you're going to have a bed and breakfast, it's open to everybody. As long as you have the ability to pay the bill at the end of the day. It's like pulling into a garage again. We don't do big cars in here. Out, out. So did it say to me once, how much does it cost to run your car? And it turns out that the £120 to put in the petrol is exactly the same as a Range Rover, a BMW, a Mercedes. You fill up a tank on that, it's 120 quid. No different from my car at all. I like the idea of, uh, of the audience figures in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm going out on that one. I think that's a, that's a very nice one. <laughs> a very good one indeed. And here is the, uh, the weekend. And I've done this story before on this programme. And it's... If, if you... If you thought asking somebody what they're doing at the weekend was a straightforward question, think again. Because we've all done it. Somebody says to you, so what are you doing for the weekend? And you might not actually have anything to do at all, but you fib. You tell fibs, you make up, you know, lies and elaborate stories. You know, you go, well, actually, tomorrow I'm doing so-and-so, so Saturday, oh, I've got three things to do Saturday, Sunday then I've got this, and then of course I should be coming back into work again. And most of it is actual fantasy, because you, you spend your time lying on the sofa, hoping the phone's going to ring and somebody's going to go, hi, do you want to come out for a drink? You go, I really can't at the moment. I'm really tied up. Because you don't want people to think you're Billy No Mates sitting at home, do you? Whereas I absolutely love a night in. Occasionally, I love a night in. The idea that, you know, today I'm going to go back and get the two tyres on the car done, and then nothing else. So I might actually go back and have a little sleep after that. I quite like that. Producer's about to have a little sleep now, aren't you? It's good for you. So, uh, when, so when, it's like when you come back after the weekend and then and somebody, somebody always says something to me. How was your weekend? You go, great. But they want you to elaborate. What did you do? I want to say I won 26.5 million on the Euro Millions. I've just uh, been out and bought myself a new house with the help of Knight Frank. And, uh, and I'm just upgrading the car with the help of Rolls Royce. You know, and what did you do? Uh, stayed it on the couch. So we all have to exaggerate. You have to make yourself out to be a little bit more interesting. My life's quite interesting. I mean, today, what are you doing? I'm going to meet Tony Robinson, and I'm going to meet Colin Farrell. I'm going to record them for a future In Conversation. Oh, tomorrow we'll have clips of who we're running this weekend. I can tell you now that it's going to be Colin Farrell and Amanda Holden, who was great fun, great fun. Uh, Colin Farrell, I don't know yet, because I've never met him, and I've never talked to him, so I'm hoping he's going to be utterly fabulous. 
But surprisingly, when Mary Poppins came out, he's in Saving Mr Banks, uh, he didn't see it because he wasn't born. The film came out in 64, he was born 12 years later. News at 6 is coming up next. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Oh, and still to come as well, the Lindisfarne Hoard and the first American book sold for how much? It's a book of Psalms, but it was worth a lot of money to somebody the other day at auction. Details coming up in a few minutes. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's five five past six. I can't believe it. Actually, very kindly, we have a listener called uh, Peter, who is in Latvia. And listens to this programme and sent me in a Latvian calendar. So I got a bit excited... Uh, thinking, oh, it'll be full of photographs of Latvia. No. It's full of one, one picture of a field of poppies, which is very lovely, Peter. Thank you. And uh, and everything else is in Latvian. There's not a word of English anywhere in it. Well, I tell a lie, there is. It's got Saturday, Sunday and things like that. But I was hoping for lots of pictures of Latvia so I could sell it to people. But anyway, he enjoys listening to the programme. So thank you very much indeed, Peter. In Latvia. I don't know exactly where you are in Latvia, because your writing's even worse than mine. But uh, we have got a calendar. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, also, Parsons Green, 18th of December, the, uh, the White Horse Pub there, have their annual caroling event. Sounds a bit exciting, doesn't it? And uh, they're going to have some uh, all sorts of things. They're going to have something here. I don't know what it is, actually. They obviously, they obviously do, they, they do burgers and bangers and stuff like that. And they've also got a cocktail of Sipsmith Slow Gin and Apple Juice, simmered with cinnamon, clove and star anise. Sounds a bit nice, doesn't it? We like a bit of singing. 18th of December, the White Horse, out at Parsons Green. <coughs> but uh, something on a, a slightly, slightly more serious thing. John, who says you can have a go at my address. It doesn't really matter if any pronunciation would go right. Is it Slocko? Slocko? S-C-L-O-C-C-O. And he said, can you mention Carers' Rights Day? which is a national event to support unpaid family and friends who look after people with illnesses and disabilities. I know that you're local to Hounslow. In Hounslow, we're coordinating several stalls where carers can find out about which charities and organisations support carers in the area. So uh, there you go. And uh, it's Crossroads Care West London. Uh, there is, they're going to be at the Treaty Centre, heart of Hounslow. Uh, supermarkets, hospital and other places on Friday. So that's tomorrow. So look out for them. I won't give out your uh, your phone number or your uh, or your email address because people can come down and find out more about caring. Because there's a lot of people do it. The unsung heroes of this world are the carers. They really are. Uh, and another one from Noreen who says, I'm glad Joe and Ildiva were good. I like the idea of everybody sending a card to Joe Brand at the Wimbledon Theatre. So she's got some cards to put up in her dressing room saying, good luck for the panto. She's never done panto before. She's playing the genie of the ring. We had some fun with that. And Ildivo were very good as well. They, they tweeted a picture yesterday of their time and the manager let us know that they enjoyed it very much indeed. Not too many in the studio, Noreen. There's four of them. And Colin Farrell and Sir Tony Robinson today. I can't wait to ask about the process. I want to know everything about the process of being a Sir and the fact that he's back on stage after 17 years. 17 years. <sighs> Amazing. Uh, there must be loads of interviews stockpiled for Christmas. There's a few. There's a few. Amanda Holden, you're going to love this weekend. I'm hoping Colin Farrell's going to be really good today. I'm sure he will be. Because the film is, is lovely. I loved the film. 
It's 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 a really really good film, really good film. I've been so lucky this year. We've seen some really really good films, and I haven't actually seen any any turkeys. I'm sure there will be a few out there, but I haven't seen them yet. I haven't seen them. Uh, next Thursday, there's a programme on the radio you'll like. It's about commercial radio. And next week, it covers LBC. I shall remind you, says Noreen, nearer the time. Hope you're not too tired. No, I'm not actually too tired. I've got to get the tyres done today. I wish I had the money to buy this book. It was a book of Psalms. The first book ever printed in what is now the United States. Sold at auction in New York. It's the Bay Psalm Book, published in 1640 on presses shipped from London 20 years after the Mayflower Pilgrims landed in Massachusetts Bay. The edition is one of only 11 copies left in the world of 1,700. It was bought by philanthropist David Rubenstein. The copy was one of two owned by Boston's Old South Church. The church minister, Nancy Taylor, said it's a spectacular book. How much did it go for? He paid, David Rubenstein paid £8.8 million for this book. You'd be frightened to touch it, wouldn't you? Frightened to touch it. 8.8 million. Absolutely amazing. The most expensive book ever sold was Leonardo da Vinci's Codex, which in 94, I don't even know what that is, but it fetched 20.20 million pounds. It's Leonardo da Vinci's. I mean, that kind of says it all, doesn't it, really? And Richard Mason is in the papers today. Why is Richard Mason in the paper? He was less than impressed by the grubby little brown jug that he dug up at work. It's a grubby little thing. It's, It's quite nice condition. He found it uh, beneath a house built on 14th century uh, remains on Lindisfarne Island. It sat in his father's basement for eight years until the builder decided to clean it. So it sat there for eight. Nobody, nobody touched it. He tipped it up and out fell a pile of gold and silver coins. Dating from the 1440s to the 1560s. He said, I couldn't believe it. All this gold and silver dropped out. Among the coins, a rare scudo stamped with Pope Clementine VII. That's the man who refused, you remember, to annul the marriage of Henry VIII to Catherine of Aragon in the 1520s. And they'll put a value on it next. I mean, it could be worth tens of thousands of pounds. It's now at the British Museum. A little jar with these coins in You know, I'll never find anything like that. I've dug up the basement in this building numerous times. Not found anything at all. A few old bones and things like that. A diplodocus, you know, half a diplodocus down there. I love the idea that there's a, there's a teacher of the paper down. I'm not sure if it's funny or it's not funny. And it's a teacher taking pupils on a school trip in a minibus who found herself surrounded by police and accused of stealing it. Gillian Halesworth pulled up at the concert venue only to be boxed in to the front, rear and side by three police fans. An, op- an officer leapt out, rapped on the window and ordered her to explain why she was driving a stolen vehicle. The 51-year-old was then questioned for 15 minutes as her husband and the 28 pupils looked on anxiously before police realised there had been a mix-up over the hired minibus. It had previously been reported stolen and left on the police database by mistake. Officers saw the funny side and put her in handcuffs so the children could take photos, which they posted on Facebook. Well, laugh a minute, they are up there, aren't they? We're going to arrest you. Oh, it's all a joke. Uh, We'll arrest you anyway, and the pupils could take photographs of it. (laughs) The teacher said she had no complaints about the officers who were just doing their duty. West Yorkshire Police said the minibus has now been removed from the database. I think so too. Poor little soul, honestly. I must say a quick good morning to Sven. I know listens to the uh, the programme every morning. He'd be so excited now to be mentioned. Because he came in the building yesterday. He used to make our coffee in the morning. He was okay. Nothing too special, you know. He could manage to turn on... Oh, almost like a ghost in here. Things are moving in the studio. And uh, Sven, the ghost of Sven, has come back. And, uh, and I walked in this morning and said, guess who was in yesterday? I said, God, you know. I've got no idea. They said, throw something like that at me, a curve ball first thing in the morning. I've got no idea. So no, they said, Sven, who used to make the coffee here. I said, fantastic. 
Fantastic. He's doing very well, so I should be the first to wish you the compliments of the season. Take a look at the shots of Prince William doing karaoke. He and Bon Jovi are doing well, but the girl on the left is singing, shouting badly out of tune. That's Taylor Swift. She's really famous. And, and people are saying, oh, John Bon Jovi, you know, is sort of uh, saying, oh, Prince William and I should record a charity. Oh, dear God in heaven. Don't. Please, William, don't go down this route. It's very, very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. It's like, it's like you know, the worst dad dancing from Nottingham. It's, it's, a, it's an Alan Partridge moment all over again. Prince William, you know, singing with John Bon Jovi. He doesn't have cool. Harry has cool. William doesn't have cool. He's the one who sort of stands a little bit like that. And uh, sing with John Bon Jovi kind of thing. <laughs> it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I don't know why they ever thought it would. He gets up on stage and it just it just doesn't look right, I'm afraid. <laughs> I wish I could tell you it didn't. Uh, what was I going to tell you? I wasn't going to tell you the weather again, actually. I've already told you the weather. I'll run through the front pages of the papers. You won't be surprised to learn that Nigella's all over them again. Only this time we've added Trini to it. Trini talking about uh, how cocaine made her a thief and a liar. And as I pointed out earlier on, I thought rather amusingly... A bad television presenter. I thought we'd save that for another one. Must be loads of these TV presenters out there. Well, not. Even though I did read the other day quite, quite... I'm sure it was a joke that Mark Wright said, because he must feel his days are numbered, uh, saying that he'd be a very good breakfast presenter on the television. I thought, I don't think so. You can't string two words together. We can't put you on the television for things like that. You've got to have some sort of credibility. That's why Eamon Holmes has been doing it since God invented man. It's uh, 14 minutes past six. BBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Well, again, really 21 minutes uh, past six. I don't know why I'm telling you the time. There's no, no reason for it unless you're rushing to catch a train. And I'd rather you didn't actually rush anywhere but stayed with us on LBC 97.3. Uh, we've got a free podcast for you coming up about 10 to 7 this morning. It'll be ready. I still can't get over this Latvian calendar. Expecting her- Normally on calendars, each day or each month is another picture, isn't it? Not on the Latvian calendar, you just get the one picture. Colour, too expensive. <laughs> but I want more pictures. I want more pictures of Latvia. I'm sure I could go on the website and find them. Uh, Matt Goss from Bros, wearing somebody else's hair by the look of it, is dancing around a little bit. He's doing one of these, uh, this Strictly thing for Christmas. Um, we, we predicted the other day, we think the contract's coming to an end at Caesar's Palace, and he's looking to try and, having deserted us for so many years, he's obviously thinking perhaps he needs to get some work in in this country. What if he stopped drinking? Anyway, it'll be, it'll be quite nice, because he's here, he obviously takes it all terribly seriously. He's 45, and, uh, he's wearing, sorry, stripy men's socks. I'm sorry, stripy socks. It's a bit of an odd thing, isn't it, really? It's the hair, though, that fascinates me. I don't know if it's his, or it's a weave. It's a bit difficult to tell. I thought that he, he lost his hair ages ago, and now it appears to have grown back looking like this. We'll, we'll notice it more on the television, I should imagine, when we see it. But they say that he's... Um, I think Elaine Page is doing it. She'll be hilarious. She'll be absolutely hilarious. She makes me laugh all the time, actually. And uh, there's somebody else. Uh, it's going to be hosted by Brucey and, uh, and Toss Daly. Tess Daly, sorry. Do beg your pardon. And uh, Rufus is uh, doing it. Rufus Hound... And so he's, he's dancing with Flavia. There's all sorts of, uh, of people on there that you wouldn't normally want to be seeing on at all. But they do say that uh, Matt got... It's not his hair, I'm sure it's not. I'm, I'm sure he was bald some years ago. So it's the first time you've seen him without his hat. Perhaps she can run, it, run her fingers through it and then she can let us know. That'd be quite a good thing. So uh, he, he was wearing a tan belt and a shi- shiny leather shoes. 
not really the best item. You should really be dancing in tracksuit bottoms for this. But perhaps you think, because it's a photo kind of shoot, it'll be interesting. The end results you'll get at Christmas, and that apparently is a festive offering. They always do that, don't they? Shove in some uh, some celebrities, and we decorate the set with a few trees, and we call it Christmas. I like our trees upstairs. I was rushing around turning all the lights on earlier on. I'll have the batteries off them. <laughs> they're, they're quite nice. Colour-changing bulbs. Colour-changing bulbs. They go from blue to white. I've got the bigger version. And uh, very nice it is too. Very nice. Uh, weather for today, it's OK. Nothing much to worry about at all. Uh, 8 for 850. Old, old Jonathan is, is, is back with me. I knew he'd be up this morning at this time. I just knew Jonathan Shallow to be there this morning. Are you, are we, do you have Melanie Sykes? Do you have Melanie Sykes? I can't remember. Looking through Jonathan's stable of stars, he says we have to agree to disagree. Mark Wright is very good indeed. He's just finished filming his new ITV2 series, which broadcasts in February. He's been very good on Surprise, Surprise, Daybreak in this morning. Oh, and the Singing Brothers, Richard and Adam, released their Christmas album Monday. The debut album was number one in the official UK album charts. Kind regards as always, Charlotte. <laughs> Bless it, honestly. <laughs> It's always nice to know you're there in the morning. I like that idea. I like the idea that people are regular on this programme, you know, for more than one reason. Uh, are the stories in the papers, apart from uh, Nigella, I mean, the allegations go on, more shock claims. It's, it's on the front of every paper. In the front of every paper. Bride dumps Darwin. This is the story we reported on LBC before. This is the Russian male order bride who doesn't speak any English, but she's managed to stumble away through an interview about the canoe conman, John Darwin. Uh, Melanie Sykes. Uh, oh, thank you. I've just been told he does have... He does have Melanie Sykes. <laughs> She's on the front page of all the papers, Jonathan. Uh, front page of The Sun, anyway. She's not on the front of the uh, the mail, but she's inside. Uh, Melcat Sykes in cells for hubby attack. And so she's received uh, and accepted a police caution. That's an odd one, isn't it? Very strange. The Express have got... Nigella Lawson and the crackdown on the EU migrants. Cameron is forced to get tough, thanks to Daily Express readers. Inside the slave layer is the front of the Daily Mirror. Five pounds off at Aldi. And uh, Nigella, because they're now saying this publicity, the resultant publicity, after all the allegations, will it harm her career in America? I don't know. I'm just waiting for her to say something. That's what I'm waiting for. I don't know if she's in talks with, with newspapers, but I would, love, I would love to know her side of things, as indeed we would. Uh, 84850, William Bromley, says... Uh, Joey Essex says he likes counting, but has anybody heard him count above ten? I think not. <laughs> and one here says, Your Prince William accent made me laugh so much I've smudged my mascara trying to put, trying to put it on. Uh, 84850 I better be wary says Sophie after the teacher story I'm taking a group of pupils to the Globe Theatre on Monday Mm. Uh, get into the Essex Way cools out ream is in says Dave I bet you're a salty potato is that what they say have you heard that expression salty I've never heard it either actually (laughs) it's but it means somebody a bit bit tasty this is, this is from Joey Essex. That's what it means. I've never heard anybody in Essex ever say, I'm going out to look for a salty potato. I mean, I really haven't. It's like I've never heard anybody say ream. Nobody says, nobody says that, do they? You, know, you think so? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, Malcolm says, I hope Colin Farrell doesn't do in conversation as his character from the King's Speech. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> um, another one here. My nine-year-old daughter, Rebecca, says, Tony, is up listening to you. I'm going to let her open a couple of doors on the advent calendar. What, already? Don't do it until the beginning of December. When does your calendar start? 
A friend of mine did say yesterday, somebody in the office said, I can't wait to go and buy my advent calendar. Because uh, some friends of mine bought one years ago, and it's wooden, and you put chocolates in set little wooden doors. I know you get the cardboard ones. Quite, do you have an advent calendar at home, Will? Do you? You buy one? Do you? All right. Do you have a, do you have a, a sort of an old-fashioned house scene or something like that? You just have chocolate, do you? Oh, right, right. Yeah, a lot of people like the ones with chocolate in it. Yeah, I like opening them as a, as a picture of something. Well, food or anything, I don't really care what it is. I don't really care. I was looking through the other day, through the, through the Waitrose catalogue for Christmas. Looks delicious, all this food. But now, why does, when we cook it, it never looks the same? I always get a bit disappointed, I'm afraid. Oh, I've got to go. I've just... There's no more time. It's ridiculous. We've only just started and I've got to go. What is going on here? I don't know. We'll have a free podcast up for you up, uh, very shortly. I'll let you know tomorrow how Colin Farrell went and Sir Tony Robinson. A couple, uh, couple of stunning guests for In Conversation. Have a great day. Uh, keep warm and keep safe. And Nick and the team will be with you at seven. Next, the morning news with Lisa Razi.